Praise the Lord. It was not my idea, but uh, look different. I was in Kenya. Uh, you can see I have a suit on. Uh, praise the name of the Lord. You guys don't do this much, but we dress up for church. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I'm so glad to see you all, guys, and uh, I'm happy what the Lord is doing in your midst. We may not see it, but we're still here. And uh, I have a word that I want to share with you. And I believe it's very important. I believe every word is always important. As long as it's coming from God. Hallelujah. And so, um, I want also to thank you um, for sowing into our church in Kenya. We... Um, we had already given up on um, our children program that was there because they were building a highway that was that cut through into our church property. And for several years, even before COVID, we stopped. And so we, we did not minister to kids. We used to have around um, 100 plus kids from the slum where we, we could deworm them buy them some, pre I mean, feed them breakfast for a year, buy them some shoes and uniform, and then have them go home to their parents. And we always call parents who come every month to the church so that we can share how to raise those kids in the, together. But that stopped for some two, three years. But when the, the government seemingly doesn't have money, and we know it will take long to, to construct that road, we decided to believe God to build. And uh, you, as a missionary church, you are you responded and helped us, and we have begun to build. Uh, we pinched three classes. We want to put in the, the remaining doors to put in. And so this January, we're going to receive 50 kids. We're already recruiting them by November. We have already 36, and the, uh, the rest will be coming in. <laughs> and so I say thank you so very much, please. Your giving is still changing the world. You can come in the church like this and say, what do I do? What, what, is, what is there? But somehow, what seems to be normal and of little consequence to you is changing somebody's life and cost-provoking hope for people to live a life. And so, once again, may the Lord bless you. Hallelujah. And so today... Um, asked me to come uh, specifically to share. We're in the week with attitude and mode of worship. And I love the song that has been sung, especially that the parents should be, should sing. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we we want to see before we believe. But God wants us to believe, then we shall see. Hallelujah. And so, I want us to share about worship today. But in a very different way. The Bible says in Romans 12, from, chapter, uh, from verse 1 to 2, that's where I want to focus on a little bit. 
and then bring in a few areas that are very crucial for this message. My prayer is that you will capture what I'm trying to say, and uh, the Spirit will speak to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says, um, let me just read the scripture instead of just telling you what it says. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 12. I don't know what, uh, which, um, which version you read, but whatever you read, there's something going on here. Hallelujah. The Bible says, in this fashion, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may decide what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hallelujah. So that, that is the basis of my preaching today. But the context of this scripture is the whole of Romans from chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, up to 11. And Paul climaxed chapter 11 before he comes to this. Hallelujah. By, 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 by a scripture, that, uh, by a verse that a prayer or a worship, it's for you to know that it's truly worship. It is this is what he says in verse chapter 11 from verse 33 to towards the end. He said, Oh, the depth of riches, the wisdom, and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his path beyond fine dressing out. Who knows the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him, through him, to him are all things. To him be the glory. He concluded these words and then brings us back into chapter 12 and begins to do this. But as you look through the chapters of, 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 of Romans uh, from 1, 2, 3 up to this time, the Bible is telling us the whole salvation thing. The redemption plan of God progressively is coming forth. But the key word here, he said, mercy. And that's what we want to capture. And so we, 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 are not by, we are not saved by our goodness, but by the mercies of God. And so he says, I beseech you in King James and in uh, the one I've read, he says, I appeal to you, brethren, in the view of what you have seen, in the greatness and mighty mercies you have seen. You do not deserve to be saved. You are not worthy to be saved. Nobody qualified. For God surveyed the whole world and said, All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All. And nobody deserves to be saved. But by his grace and mercy. Hallelujah. That is the message. And therefore everybody qualifies by the very mercy that he has presented to us. He has done wonderful things. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. Not by our own works, lest we boast. 
Hallelujah. Salvation is a free gift. It has come because of the mercies of God. And he says, therefore, in the view of these mercies, in the view of this great love, in the view of this grace that I've presented to you, look at this. I am asking you this. Will you present therefore your bodies as a living sacrifice? To present something is to put it at the disposal of whoever you are, or to put it at his feet. I know we know that bodies are not in worship. We worship in the spirit and truth. True. But here Paul is dealing with the body and the mind. He's saying present your body. It is in our body that resides sin, lust, and the drive that pushes us to the world. It is what keeps the Satan the working space to operate our bodies with a desire and appetite for the things of this world. So he is saying, it's beautiful to sing. It's, it's an instrument of worship, but that's not the only worship. This is the supreme worship. You presenting yourself before the Lord. He wants the gift of you. There's nothing in this world. He said, if I wanted pools, I, I, David looked at the point in life, he said, if God wanted anything else, I'll give it to him. If he wanted pools, I'll present it. But, the, but, 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 but what God is looking for? The gift of God for man is a broken and contrite spirit. The brokenness, the understanding that I didn't deserve to be where I am, and what I have and what I am, all is because of him. And in humility, that is where God is looking. That's why he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. Church, we're living in an age and time where if we ri don't rise up in radical love for God, the world is catching up. They are radical in what they're doing. They're using, they're flounding their body. They're using everything to communicate something. They're corrupting everything about life. Until we are choking and we're looking around and say, is this, how can anybody, some people are giving up having children. How can I raise my children in such a generation as this? Right, you look at us, wonder, will I survive? My wife got a shock. She, she's, she, she's now, she went to be a teacher in the public school for the first time. Man, it has been a prayer. It's a warfare center there. Than it's a, it, it's, it, she went there. And the things she told not to tell children and not to do, she said, it, I can't survive this. And she's in a little bit very tough neighborhood. You can imagine how tough that is. And I looked at that. Then we began to pray. We realized we, we, we ignore so many things. But this neighborhood... Miss Jesus as any other place. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. We cannot hide in the church. We will not survive. We must flow out of this place and affect the world. And it cannot work when we hardly survive ourselves. God is saying, will you present your bodies? As a living sacrifice. I want you to see the imagery of, sac of, of sacrifice means uh, in Old Testament when we talk of sacrifice, is something dies. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me. God is saying you have appetite, you have desire, you have things. 
something must die in you to truly worship him. A lifestyle of presenting yourself and at his disposal so that these other ones, I, I have things to do. I desire this to do. But I am going to give it up and look at it through the perspective of God. I have my agenda, but I will lay it at the feet of Jesus. Church, I don't know if everybody will be that radical, but I wish we were. Because we cannot complain about the world when we live like we don't care. Praise the name of the Lord. Present your bodies as living sacrifice. Why am I trying to tell you this? And so it continues to say, do not conform to this, the pattern of this world. The world has a mold that wants to squeeze you into. And the area that the battle is, is how you think and what you think about. Hello? And so you are thinking, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We do not take carelessly what, what you are consciously thinking about. That is what you're going to be. It doesn't matter how innocent and how sincere in other things you are. What occupies your mind? What are you thinking about? Hello? What is on your mind? What do you meditate upon? Is it fear? Is it what? That is going to come out. And so, before we could truly worship God, Paul did not say, sing me a song. I'm sorry, uh, I worship him. I love worship, I love singing. But that's not the only aspect of worship. Forgive me. A singing is part of it. It's an instrument of worship. But the true worship is the man and the woman of God himself. And your lifestyle worships more than what you sing. Hello? Can I say something and stop on your toes as you forgive me? I will come back again, said uh, seemingly, but I will say. Do you know, one man told me, she'll say, it is telling a lie and singing a lie is the same thing. And sometimes we sing a lie. Do we mean when we sing these songs? I say this tremblingly because I'm part of it. I cannot escape it myself. Do we mean? What do we sing to him? When we lift our hands and say, oh, I surrender, do we? And so God is saying, for that song to mean something, for you worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far away from me. He's longing to see where your heart and the mouth are one. That what you sing is provoked from within you. That the, 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 the real you is speaking. <coughs> is it possible to sing from within us, from who we are? Hallelujah. I'm not talking about anybody. It's all, if even us preachers, what I'm speaking to you is I speak with trembling heart because I am not there yet. And sometimes what I'm saying is something that God spoke to me about. Are you sure? So telling a lie and singing a lie, especially before God, is the same thing. So when we sing, let's put away everything else and just, God, I know who I am. 
and without you I'm nothing. And therefore receive the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. But I'm not teaching about the renew of the mind. I'm teaching about the mind grasping. See, because the Bible says God is looking for true worshipers who will worship him in truth. Truth here is the view, the, 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 the true knowing who God is. You, the, the key word there in John 4, he said, you worship whom you do not know. He tells the Samaritan woman. Because every human being is worshiping one way or another. You know why? We worship what we love most. We don't have to say it. But what we love most, we worship. And so God is after your love. So what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your... His jealousy for what you love more than you, yes, him. Sir. And so the greater thing he's looking after you is your love. I can tell you this. We go back to the book of Genesis. We call it the law of first mention. Where the first word ever mentioned in love, you know where it was? It was when God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to give me your son whom you love. The word love, that's the first time. It was not even in the garden of Eden that that word was mentioned. It was not anywhere. It was here. Because in this story, it's a shadow of the greatest story ever to be. Hallelujah. He said, the son whom you love. Ah. God is not after leftovers of your life. No. Forgive me, but I'll tell you this. He's not. He will ignore what you offer when your heart is not in it. Does he need anything? No. So if you want to do business with him, be serious. I, I, I use that word, business. But if you want to, uh, to move in a good relationship with God, then mean who he is, understand who he is. The fear of the Lord has died in the church. That we present lame and weak things before him. It's not necessarily the physical things we call offering, but our life, our worship, our, uh, uh, what, when we go. Do you know that today when we come to church, we do God a favor to appear in this church? <laughs> Just asking, come to this church. I've done you a favor. A giving, I've done God a favor. No! If he takes away a breath of your life, you are nothing. You and me, we are nothing without him. The fact that he's not, that, that you take for granted many things doesn't mean God is not aware of everything. Your breath is in his hand. So what future do you have without him? Do you even have a tomorrow? Please, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to provoke you to understand the kind of God who you are worshiping. And if we don't know him, we are not in a good business of what you are worshipping. What are we doing? We worship what we do not know. The world is molding us into its way of looking at things. The world has a way it looks at politics. And it wants to mold you into it. We call it political correctness. Uh, they mold you to know what to say and how to say and what not to say before people. The world has its mold on how to trace and how to look good. is trying to mold you into that. The world has its mold on what it calls success, and it wants you to mold it into what it calls it. 
so that you'll be that. But the moment we do this, those who love the world, the love of God is not in them. We can't conquer. I think one man of God said, it's one thing for the ship to be in the sea. For it's another thing for the sea to be in the ship. It's one thing for man to be in the world, but it's another thing for the world to be in a man. We'll sink. And that's why we are sinking as a church. I have been with you for quite some time, so you forgive me to be tough on you. You are the hope of this community. You are the hope of this region. And if you can hardly survive, can these outside survive? And if there's no light here, can there be light in the community? If there's no love in the house of God, can there be love out there? Why are we expecting the world to behave when we are not behaving? How can the world survive? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. We have angels and everything on our side. Are hardly surviving to live a good life. And we expect the world to behave. The world can't. We are the soul and the light of the world. We are the one to bring the influence and the light and the understanding. And we are closed in in our church. Sunday service is just celebration service. The real church happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yes. Hallelujah. And so God demands the best out of us. Literally. And I know, I don't know. I, I remember when I told you about love. I know some of you have fallen in love before. I have. I still remain in that one love that I... But do you remember... That day you say the first word, I love you. How powerful those words were. And sometimes you say it trembling, but you say it anyway. <laughs> do you remember that day? You could do anything. A man in love can do anything to win that love. The reason we are a little bit not quite knowing what to do is issue is love. But when you're truly in love, you can pay the price for the one you love. You, you, I don't know, however, whether father is short or tall or small, you touch the children, then you realize that he loves them. He'll fight by every means possible. Because he loves his children and will protect them by every means possible. Why? Love fights. Love protects. Love is passionate in what it loves. And that is the lacking ingredient for us to talk about. Do we truly passionately love him? And so God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, give me your son, whom you love most. The only, he used the word, the only son, whom you love. Bring him before me as a sacrifice. Hallelujah. And so, you will know that this man knows that he was barren. That later on, if you read Romans, he will tell you he was persuaded that even if God will kill, he has the power to raise. But then we don't, we don't know that. We didn't know that first. But he takes his son and he goes to sacrifice him. And again, that is where the first word, Shabbat, we worship, is mentioned in the Bible. Abraham said, uh, when they had reached that point, uh, when he saw the mountain where he's going to sacrifice Isaac, 
He said, you stay here. He told the guys he went with, you stay here. Me and the boy of the Lord, we are going yonder to worship. That is where the word begins again. It is, same, it is in the same context. The word first love is mentioned. Is a word worship is mentioned today. We are going to worship. Hallelujah. And we'll come back. It is there that we find the word God is we provide. When we truly worship, provision is not a problem in the sense of many ways. But the key word here is love and worship are mentioned when the word sacrifice is mentioned. This is the company of the word love. We sacrifice for those we love. We worship what we love most. And God was jealous. He, he knew that Abraham, this is the future. Isaac was the future. The hope of the new generation, the next generation. Everything of his life, the essence of who he is, is packed on his son, Isaac. After many years of nothing, barrenness, talk about it. He had nothing, but then he has a son that of the promise. And guess what? It's the same God who gave him that is demanding it back. And so, after that, for the first time, too, again, we see God swear. You read up to verse 15 of Genesis chapter 22, he said, Do not, when he had gone to sacrifice the kid, uh, the, the son, he said, don't kill him. The Lord provided a sacrifice, but what he was after was testing the heart of Abraham. But he said, now I know that you love me. And I swear, the Bible says the angel, in blessings I'll bless you. Hallelujah. I, Abraham, you've done what I will do on this mountain. I'll give my own son too. So I'm not just testing you. What I'm telling you, I'll do. Hallelujah. I'll give my only son whom I love in this very spot. I'll also provide. I'll give the best. I have my son for your sin. Think about it, church. The transaction we are seeing here is, the, is, is dealing in giving the best of the best. I don't want to take your time, but I want you to see. Here is where Worship is defined, described, and disclosed. Abraham went to the mountain to give his most love, the most treasured, the most prized, and acceptable gift to God. Love withholds nothing. Love sacrifices the best. Love costs everything. This is what I have a message for you today. Rethink your worship. Individually and personally, in your own quiet time, evaluate this message. Do you really worship God? Do you want to walk with him? I know. In my state, as I preach to you, I just feel sometimes I'm coming from a state of backsliddenness. Not because I sinned. But because I know 
my first love for God. I did ever when I was in love with him in the very beginning of salvation, I walked days. The first missionary trip I made to the mountain tribes, I walked 12 hours nonstop, not a lie. And then my thigh swollen because I couldn't stay and sleep on the way. We went over the mountain with this man. After we had fasted three days, we were going to preach. I, I, I didn't know that if you serve God, you'll get anything. So that was not there. I just loved him. And out of it, I went, walked. I didn't even complain. Today, if you put me to walk two hours, it's going to be war. But I did 12 hours. <coughs> I remember with my wife, we woke up in the middle of the night, two in the morning, and walk through the forest that is dangerous to go to church to pray. If I walk right now, it's war. But, you know, at that time, I know you are listening, but look, it is true. When there's something so fresh and loving like that, you'll do anything. We didn't consider the cost. We were a little bit foolish. Sometimes uh, right now, logic tells you, don't do that. But I was in love with God. I fasted. I prayed so many times, so long hours. I stayed at one time by myself. I took the Bible for the whole night. I read one hour, prayed one hour. I read one hour, prayed one hour until morning. Tell me to do that right now. What happened? When I have, I didn't even have a high school. And I never thought anything would limit me to worship, to serve God. Today, I'm way, I mean, relative to where I am, I'm way too blessed. Yet, I don't know if I'm even doing as much as I ought to. I'm asking you, do you remember your first time in love with God? Some of you moved from regions to be in the place you want to worship him. Everything, your decisions and your choices were founded on that. What you do depended on how and what God will say. Please, go back to your first love. God rebuked the efficient church. He was doing everything else. I said, but you have forgotten your first love. That is where true worship is, church. Because we worship what we love most. But I want you to see something as I finish. What provokes this love is his mercy. When, when he was with uh, uh, the children of Israel, when you read in Jeremiah, the children of Israel uh, had sinned against God and were being taken to the captivity and the whole thing was doom and gloom and there was no hope. And if you ask Jeremiah, so what is but he said this statement. And in Jeremiah 33 verse 11. Praise the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good. For his mercies endure forever. If you go to Psalms 136. You will see the prayer, that statement through and through. Because the essence of God. The transaction of God between God and man. The relationship between you and God. Is dealt in the mercy. And that's why when you go to the temple, the tabernacle, to the holy of holy, everything else in that 
Ark of the Covenant, the Ark thing, they put in the, 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 the law and the, the testimony of the Aaron's bread of manna and other things. Uh, the, 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 but he covered that with a lid called mercy seed. And on that mercy seed is the visible presence or the cloud on, or, or, or the Shekinah glory is there. It, it, as if God is covering judgment by his mercy so that you can approach him. He will speak to you from mercy seat. He can only deal with you through mercy. Hallelujah. Church, it is his mercy we are not consumed. God looks at you, but that word mercy can be considered the steadfastness of his love. And that's why the psalmist sang this song. Was it David or was it Jeremiah who wrote this through lamentation? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never will come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. It sings good in Swahili. I love English, but it's not my original language. Swahili words are a little bit deeper for me. It says, Upendo, Imara, Obwana, Haukwishida. It says, his love is inexhaustible from Swahili perspective. Upendo, Imara, Obwana, Haukwishida. Fadili sake, Hasina mipaka. Ni mapia kila subuhi, mapia kila subuhi, uwamini fuakoni mkuwe bwana, uwamini fuakoni mkuwe. It goes deep to remember these songs. These guys never just song, sang them as a church service song. It was... The whole essence of their relationship with God. And that's why he told Jehoshaphat, now in this battle you're not going to, to fight, but just sing. What was he singing? For God is good. It is mercy. The loving kindness of God, guys, is the same words, love, mercy. This is what endures. Love never fails. Although love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love never fails. That is love for God. And so we come back to our scripture again. Or in the view of all this, mercy, and, I, and you, are, you, do, you are deserving it, present yourself there. Your bodies as living sacrifice. Daily. Live before God, carrying your cross, dying on it, your expectation, your dreams, laid at the feet of Jesus. Lord, I know I need this, but what do I do? Do you know that he, he is already has another, while he demanded from Isaac, he was, he was the one who gave the best, 
when he said, give me your son, he had already provided the, the, the substitute. But after what he was after is not what your money, it's not after what you have, it's after your heart. If money cannot possess you, he will give you as much as he can to use to bless him and be an instrument. Mas money, like any other thing, is neutral. It takes the character of its possessor. So it is not bad. It is the love of money that becomes the root of evil. But money in the hand of a love of God is a powerful instrument for change and transformation. And we need many children of God to have more of it so that we can change the world. But if it, it takes you over, then we miss the essence of what it is. Because at the end of the day, these are the key words Jesus said. You either serve God or serve mormon. He didn't say sudden. Because he knows how powerful the end time is going to be. You sell or you don't sell. You have a mark because of what, because our livelihood depends on the transaction that we have, money. And that's gonna, the economy is going to be a very telling issue, but let's not go into end time. Let's go into love of God right now. And after we know we love him, everything else will fall in place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, church, I didn't dismiss worship. I want you guys to sing even from the heart as ever before. What I'm trying to say is let all our life, our lifestyle, who we are, bear witness that we love God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.